Hello and welcome to episode 270 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now joining me on today's episode, I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm excited and I can't wait to share it with you because I'm joined by the frontman, guitarist, singer, songwriter Dylan Slocum from the absolutely awesome band Spanish Love Songs. I absolutely adore this band. I've only recently started listening to them but honestly they're phenomenal and I absolutely adore them. So to know that they're joining me on today's episode is genuinely a dream come true. And they're a band that everyone should know about. And the best part is, as I sit here now recording this intro, I'm going to see them at Slam Dunk Festival this weekend. And I'm absolutely buzzing because it's the first time that I'll get to see them live. So stick around for that interview in just a couple of minutes time. So let's touch base and talk about my last episode. On episode 269, I was joined by the actress Karen Robson. I want to say a massive thank you to everyone that tuned in and listened and I know a lot of people love and adore the film Picnic at Hanging Rock so it was a great honour to have her on. But today it's all about Spanish Love Songs, a band that everyone should listen to and please after today's interview go and check them out if they're new to you because they're unreal. And just before I hit that play button and give you that interview, let's give a quick shout out to the sponsor of this podcast, Richer Sounds. Because of those guys, I get to do two or three episodes every week. I get to travel the country doing interviews and it's crucial to keep this podcast going. So a massive shout out. And if you're in the market for a home cinema system or a hi-fi or a Sonos, hit up richersounds.com. All that's left to do now is to give you this interview. So here's me and Dylan from Spanish Love Songs talking all things music. So Dylan, thank you for joining me today on the Mark and Me podcast. How's it going? It's going really well. Um, what I like to do with all the guests on the podcast, and it doesn't matter what their background is, if they're an actor, a director or a musician, is take it right back to the very start. And what interests me is those first records that maybe you bought with your pocket money or were handed down from maybe a family member that you remember listening to that caught your attention and made you fall in love with music. Oh boy. <laughs> There's so many. Um, I grew up in a household with a lot of music playing constantly. So one of the earliest records I can remember hearing is uh, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Just grew Amazing. up with that, looping in the house. And then, let me see. When I was six, I have an older brother. He's about five years older than me. So when I was six, that was right around the year that The Offspring Smash and Green Day's Dookie was coming out. And so, like, he had those, so I had those as well. <laughs> I reckon we so might be around like... the same sort of age because I remember having Dookie on cassette and Smash the same sort of week. And I yeah, remember listening huge to year. yeah, I remember listening to Self Esteem. And then when I come around, and I was like, oh my god, this has changed everything that I've ever listened to until now. Yeah, it was it was huge. Um, and I shouldn't have been listening to those albums at six years old, probably, especially <laughs> the Offspring album. Um, I shouldn't know the lyrics to Bad Habit when I'm six years old, but no. you know, here we are. Uh, and then, you know, that kind of, my brother just kind of kept feeding me stuff, uh, which is probably the reason why I have the musical background that I have now, which is like, what, 97 would have been Blink-182, 99 would have been the Ataris, uh, Blue Skies, Broken Hearts, Next 12 Exits, classic album. Unbelievable um, album. Unbelievable. And then... uh 
band homegrown i don't know if you remember them like a lot of stuff like that a lot of socal uh pop punk stuff was really yeah constantly pumping through what we did and then also like my dad's classic rock stuff you know springsteen tom petty bob dylan the usuals uh sort of fused in this did you, did you ever get taste. to see tom petty live never got to see tom petty live no um, it haunts no. me forever i had a ticket for the london show and i sold it because i was really skint and then six months later he died and i've kind of never got over it i'm like the one artist i've got pill jump ticked off i've got uh, foo fighters i've got all these huge bands that i've seen but for some reason tom petty i never got to tick off yeah yeah i uh i have a few friends that have stories like that if they didn't go to like the last tour he did yeah so yeah you're not alone I, I know a lot of people who uh missed out so with live music i think it all changes i think one of the first bands and i've said this too too many times on the podcast so people already know this but one of the first live bands i saw was green day and it was their dookie tour and i remember going and seeing billy joe armstrong with his guitar and i couldn't believe that the three of them were making so much noise i, I thought <laughs> is there another guitarist hidden away but it really okay, so blew my mind. This was before they had the fourth guitarist. This away. was before, yeah. <laughs> Who's hiding behind? And I could, I couldn't believe it. And I, you know, hearing Trey on the drums and Mike on the bass, I, I just couldn't believe how tight they were. And just it sounded amazing. And that made me want to pick up a guitar and be in a band. But what were those first gigs you went to that kind of had that same effect? First gigs. Oh man. Sadly, I've never seen Green Day. Uh, live. I was supposed to go to the Pop Disaster Tour with Blink-182 uh, and my older brother had an extra ticket and then he gave it to uh, a lady friend of his at the last minute instead of me. So I missed out on that. Um, that is not cool. It, it was like his payback for giving me the bands to begin with. Being yeah. like, yeah, you don't get to come to this though. I was like, what, I was like 12 or 13. I was so excited. Um, but early gigs... I'm trying you can to admit think. If I mean, it's a lot of cool. it. If you're trying to hold back, and there's a really no, no, no. I'm one. trying to think of like the earliest, earliest memories I have of music because, like, I grew up going to church, and we had like a really pop punk youth group. So we we had a lot of like local shows for semi Christian bands, like uh, the band Letter Kills and bands of that ilk. Um, but I think I think the first show that like I took money from my parents and bought a ticket to go to when I was like 13 or 14 would have been the Ataris actually. Cause they were like my favorite band at that, at that age. And I think I saw them and Rufio. Um, and that was, it was at the glass house in Pomona. And that was like insane to me. Cause to, to this day, the glass house still feels like one of the largest venues on earth. I don't know why, just cause I, I went to it so often, even though it's not that big uh, and just seeing them, and being like, okay, like this is the type of music I like. This is the type of music I can play on guitar. Like this is interesting. Um, maybe not Rufio. They like to shred. Uh, and then another early, early show memory of mine. I I can't remember what venue was that. Maybe maybe it was Chain Reaction in California in SoCal. It was a uh, Thrice. Um, yeah. Thrice was like a huge band by the time I entered. Like yeah, my early teens. Uh, like right when Illusion of Safety came out. I've got to be careful because Thrice are my favorite band of all time and I'll end up just talking <laughs> to you about Thrice for the next two hours. Listen, uh, listen that's totally fine. Uh, one of my favorite bands, uh, a great discovery, like a friend of mine showed them to me and was like, this is my favorite band. They're going to be your favorite band. And for a while there, they definitely like were up there with just 
yeah, favorite bands could do no wrong in my eyes. And I think still can do no wrong just in the fact that a lot of people have burnt out or done, uh, done the same thing repeatedly and they're always changing it up and it's always interesting. Um, and like, yeah, I've never dropped off of them compared to like the amount I've dropped off of other bands. Well, them and Radiohead, uh, I think just keep exploring deeper and adding new dimensions and not playing it safe. And I know a lot yeah. of the fans on the forums are always like, just play Deadbolt and the early stuff again. <laughs> but I love, I love the fact that they are now having all these synths and, just complete different breakdowns and i just yeah. i think i think dustin's vocals have got better and better through time and i've only yeah. just saw them recently and they are fucking awesome like they're just incredible i have not seen them since they reunited or ended the hiatus or whatever yeah. you want to call it uh I haven't got to see them since i actually haven't got to see them since warp tour 03 maybe like it's been bloody hell <laughs> Yeah, I saw, like, I went to, I had a period of going to shows constantly when I was in my early teens. And then, like, late teens, early 20s, I just, like, stopped going to shows just from, like, being in school and working. And I was playing baseball at the time. Um, and so I just, like, didn't have the time to go to shows. And I started, like, right around the time I finished college, I started reengaging with, like, the community and going to shows again, uh, which was, you know, it was good. It worked out. So as a musician and forming Spanish love songs, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's coming up to, I think it's this year, isn't it? 10 years that you guys have been now playing? Oh God. Uh, I think technically. Yeah. yeah. Technically. Yeah. We were in another band. Uh, I was in another band with Ruben and our former bassist Gabe. And then that band broke up. Uh, yeah. Right around 2013. And we like, I had a bunch of songs that I had written. I don't know. In college in the last few years. And then I was like, hey, you guys want to play in a band? And then we started as a three-piece, like, just dicking around. I think we played one show that year, and it was terrible. Um, and then at the end of that year, Kyle joined. So, like, 2014. Then, yeah, the first album, 2015. Yeah, so <laughs> that makes me sad to say that it's been 10 years of, like, kicking this stupid idea around. But, I mean, in our current iteration, I, I like to say that the band really started in 2018 when Trevor joined, because, like, Every time there's been a, every few years we've done something that like changes the band pretty significantly. So Meredith joined and Trevor joined. And so now I feel like we're in like the true era. But yeah, I guess uh on paper, yeah, ten years, which makes us sound old as hell. <laughs> it's crazy at the moment because here in the UK loads of bands are doing like twenty twenty year anniversary tours. So there's bands like yeah. Head is for Heroes, Hundred Reasons, In Me. Um, even Frice actually are doing a um I think it's the Illusion of Safety twenty anniversary and i'm like christ i'm old like yeah i am really old but i suppose you're looking at as in then with your lineup and it being stable and the the kind of writing that you want what five years now you guys have been pretty secure and happy and yeah major changes? i'd say that like pre-2018 the band was kind of a joke to us it was just like a thing that we did um we were all we were all still working in career like our careers and like trying to make it doing other things and then in 2018 we put out schmaltz which like people started paying attention to and we started touring which was like a big game changer but like i don't know i was 30 when that happened so it still wasn't like this is what i'm doing with my life uh and then like the tours just kept coming and it kept getting bigger and then yeah trevor joined and the writing changed and kind of like what we were setting out to do changed and we were like oh maybe this could be a like 
nice working class life we can build for ourselves for a few years. And so that's kind of been the push. And then obviously like since 2020, it's been a lot different too. So like the last three years, I mean, do they really count? Cause we <laughs> haven't really done much. So, but yeah, I guess, yeah. 2018 was kind of the year where it like became a job versus previous to that. It was kind of a, a hobby. Did you kind of, I know you're on the inside, so it's hard to kind of look as an outside perspective, but did you feel the momentum change? Did you feel like there was a turning point? I know you've mentioned just then about shows getting a bit bigger and going on a tour and stuff, but was there a turning point when you're like, fuck, these people are singing back at me or this crowd is not here for the main band as well. There's some people here for us this night. Or was there something that you were like, something's changed, something feels different? Um, no, I have a really hard time, like a really hard time of that. Like I, I think I consistently underestimate, uh, what we've done. Um, and cause I'm never happy with it. Uh, but there, yeah, I mean, you obviously notice like, wow, we're not playing to 10 people. We're playing to a hundred like that. Yeah. You notice that. Um, or like, you know, these show, the show we announced in London last week, like granted major underplay for us, like intentionally, but just given this slam dunk of it all, but it sold out in like a minute and we were like, Oh, that feels pretty good. That's cool. But to me, we still like, we still suck and nobody likes us. And like, I don't know why we're doing this. So it's kind of, why are you so hard on yourself when you're getting such good numbers and there's people really raving about you easily one of the most talked about bands on the slam dunk lineup when it came out was everyone was raving. (laughs) Is it just a bit like, hard because you're quite humble you just kind of like oh i find it awkward that people are loving us no no i want to be loved i want (laughs) to we have this discussion constantly not like i have this discussion with people i know who talk about like uh it's expected of bands like us to be kind of like overly humble and (laughs) self-deprecating all the time and it's a habit i fall into but it's like no we're good we know what we're doing like we're we can be a good band like more like like us I, we want to be liked we want to be a popular band to me i'm just not ever really satisfied until i don't know when i'm going to be satisfied but like the one i'm currently at is like when does it feel su- more sustainable like i'm not holding this together with glue and like it could fall apart at any minute um which maybe that doesn't go away either so I don't know. I don't know where it lands. Surely, me, surely like a bit more. Um, yeah, sure, surely a bit more glue comes along when you sell out a London show in a couple of minutes. Like that's yeah, pretty yeah. awesome. That's a big thing. When, that's a big venue here as well. It's a respected venue, and yeah, you know, close to summer season when everyone spent all their money, every band <laughs> in the world is touring. That's a massive pat on the back. Yeah, and like I'm not ungrateful. Like we, no, of course not we really love everything that's happened so far. And every, like when we set out as a band, our number one goal was to have zero expectations because that way, anything that happens to you is the coolest thing on earth. And so like, this was a joke and we've got to tour the world with it. And that's amazing. Uh, but now we're in the next stage, which is like that weird middle class of band. That's like maybe the hardest jump to make, which is to jump from like, yeah, we could do this part, like not even part-time, but we can do this and push it and hold it together versus like, oh, we can only do this and survive on this for a decade or 15 years, you know what I mean? Or have our 20th anniversary in 10, 10 years from now. So that's like, I guess that's the next stage. It's also just who I am as a person. I don't know if I'm ever happy. 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm ever happy, period. No, I'm just kidding. But like in the moment, I think I have a hard time recognizing. Um, I feel like that's pretty classic, recognizing that things are good versus yeah. like what's next because that what's next is what got me here. And so like a goal means not, like the journey is the is the the real reward i guess so like screw the goal okay i hit the goal well like what's the next goal because the next journey is what's going to fulfill me but it must be really weird because we're talking about what the next goal looks like but there is no goal because you had no expectations and set yourself no <laughs> I know. kind of i know it's, weird. it's uh I can, I can i'm a contradiction uh it's a constant battle to lower your expectations while also hoping that um everything will work out and you'll be wildly successful and you can do more things that you want to do I've had many bands on here and some really successful bands like Incubus and um, Feeder and Everclear that have been there and sold millions mm -hmm. of albums, Jimmy Eat World. And they kind of never had these kind of targets for themselves. They never kind of said, well, we want to headline this festival or we want to sell a million albums. But, you know, yeah. all of them have said the same answer that they've kind of they've kind of gone way further than they could ever have anticipated. Are you at that stage now when you've sold out London, you're playing, you know, to get into tour the world because you said like, it was just a joke that got you to go around the world or because now you've got such a solid lineup, you're writing your best music. You're having so much fun. Surely you've kind of got in your head, like, well, hopefully it's slam dunk. We can fill that tent or get a massive crowd. And then the next time we come, We'll go a bit further up the poster and oh yeah i'm wildly narcissistic like if we showed up and the tent was empty i would be crushed you know what i mean like if that london show didn't sell out i would be completely heartbroken because yeah. it is supposed to uh given like where we are and like what the venue like you know what i mean just of course there's certain things that should happen and, and not should happen because nothing's a given but I think when you're trying to map your trajectory as an artist, because there's like two sides, there's like the, I would write songs regardless of what this band was doing. And that's fine. They could exist in this bedroom. Wouldn't be a huge deal. And then there's the business side, which is like, we are a business that functions and like are trying to grow and do like, keep it going in a, in a broader, in a broader sense. So like mapping the trajectory of the band is like, when the things that should happen are happening, then you're like, okay, we're doing good. And as soon as the thing that should happen in your head doesn't happen, you're like, oh no, what's, you know what I mean? Everybody's just hoping to have like two or three really good, like massive years and then just kind of ride it out from there. Or, you know, a band like, I don't know. I always, I always joke with our, with our team that like people, like people like, do you want to, what would make you happy? Do you want to sell X amount of records? Do you want to do this? Do you want to sell out this many people? Or like somebody will be like, do you, would you rather play to 10,000 people a night for a year or a thousand people a night for the next 10 or 20 years? And I'm like, I'm the latter. Like, I like a band like the Mountain Goats. Like, I just want to do my thing and reach the people that I can reach and like sustain long-term because this is the best job on earth. But I think the constant fear is that it's not going to be your job anymore if it like falls apart. So yeah, I think it's it's a it's a weird... I don't know. It's a weird thing to be a part of because you all you simultaneously don't want to care at all uh, and just enjoy the ride. But you also want to keep the ride going as long as possible. I guess it's like a weird, it's like a weird roller coaster you don't want to get off of. Like you just want to keep going until like you know somebody's like, no, the ride's over. Get off. Like 
go back to your job. And then you're like, damn. All right. <laughs> I can relate and I can put it in the same context as this. The podcast has been going nearly five years and there's been highs where I've got people that I couldn't even dream of having on. And then I've obviously had weeks where I'm like, why is no one listening this week? Where's, where's all the people gone? And yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's uh, ups and downs all the time. But, um, I feel like you guys are on your roller coaster going towards the highest kind of drop coming, not to fall, but just to keep going high. Like that <laughs> London show blew my mind. There was people like I couldn't even put my card details in quick enough and it sold out. And over here, Slam Dunk is such a respected festival. Like look at the lineup. It's incredible. And to see yourself on that poster, you must be absolutely loving it. Um, yeah, I mean, of course it's, it's a great feeling, especially to see us on a poster with like a band like the offspring who are literally one of the reasons that I started listening to music, you know, and do any of this stuff. Um, and so, yeah, it's an, it's an incredible feeling and we, we definitely try to, uh, yeah, we try to keep that in mind and like, obviously not take anything for granted. Um, I'm excited just to be at slam dunk. Like we're, we're playing early enough in the day that I can like play my, play our set and fuck off, uh, which I'm very excited for. Well, I'm going to be there uh, for both days. Around. I'm going, yeah, I'm going to go to the North and the South. Cause I'm like, I really want to see enter Shikari and Billy talent. I'm like, they're incredible bands and holding absence. But then on the other stage, I'm like, oh, I really want to see the offspring. Cause we talked about them today. So I'm going to go both days so I can kind of mix it up and make sure that I kind of tick off everyone I want to see. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that's the beauty of a festival that's designed that way. I, uh, I'm much more excited this year. Last year, <laughs> well, a, I had COVID last year, so it would have been really a nightmare, but last year too, we were scheduled to like, I think we're on the smaller stage and we were scheduled to be like the second to last band on that stage. So that meant we had a sound check at the beginning of the day. <laughs> so we had a load in at like 8am in Leeds and we played in London the night before. Um, and I was like, really, really not looking forward to that last year versus this year we're in London. And then I, I forgot that it's swapped. So it's like, oh, we don't have to get up hella early and drive to Leeds. Like we can enjoy our day, which I'm very excited for. It's going to be awesome. And, um, at the moment, as we're sitting here, probably when this interview goes out, people will be listening, but, uh as as we're sat here right now you've released a couple of singles from the doom and gloom sessions and i know that there's obviously going to be a total i think of i think there's four covers isn't there there's that four, be yeah yeah um but i've heard at the moment the killers and the jimmy will cover and how did this project come about for you guys so when uh when everything shut down we started a patreon and part of that patreon we Put up a monthly vote uh, that the patrons could vote on for us to do a cover. So we did, we've been doing a cover every month since April of 2020. So yeah, there's over two dozen covers sitting in the vault. Um, these were four that we enjoyed and we thought kind of fit uh, fit what we're doing on the newer album. And we just kind of wanted to just get some music out that hadn't been heard by more than, you know, the 600 people who had joined. So it just felt like a, a natural thing to do. And we've released a few previously, so it just felt like a, it was time to put out some more. That's awesome. And like for me, and I've had Jim on the podcast, but Jimmy Eat World are one of the textbook kind of bands. For me, Clarity is probably one of the most perfect albums out there. I think, mm -hmm. I think it's just astonishing, but 
It's quite brave to pick a Jimmy Eat World song, I think. Um, so there's a few bands <laughs> for me that I wouldn't touch. Like for me as a singer, I would never try and touch someone like Jeff Buckley. I'm like, nope, that's out of context. <laughs> like too, too good. But Jimmy Eat World of royalty, but and I'm not just saying this, but you did it justice and it sounds fucking awesome. But it's quite brave of you guys to go, right, let's pick one of the best bands out there, one of the best emo bands and try and, <laughs> you know, do our thing. Yeah, a lot of times when we pick these covers, we just, I kind of get, I try to get a semi-creative with the choices. Um, so we weren't going to do like the most obvious Jimmy song. But the thing I don't usually think about is how good of singers people are. Um which I've started trying to do a bit more because Jim is an incredible singer and his control on that song is impossible to match. Um, <laughs> and so I, I mean, this is the case with every cover because it's not, it's not me singing my own song. I just hate how I sound generally. Uh, but you know, everybody, Kyle did a good job editing it and mixing it and making it sound, uh, like a good a good enough version for me but yeah i like trying to match not his styling but just the like the meter in that song is very specific and i did it my way but i was trying to hit yeah his level of like vocal control in that song is insane and i had never realized it until i tried to sing it like properly and uh yeah that's the case with with a lot of songs um but uh, you know it's fine <laughs> but didn't you pick a track by is it granddaddy yeah, yeah, now it's on. That's the one that should come out. I think releases with the EP next week. I mean, again, another band that I don't think ever got as much respect or kind of recognition as they deserve. They're just unbelievable. Oh, no. They're an incredible band. Um, love that album. We did a slightly different take on that. Uh, it's a little bit more stripped back. Um, that was less hard. I like when we do weird things to songs. Like when we destroy a song, I can like have fun with it. Uh, kind of like what we did with that Blink-182 cover. But yeah, the Granddaddy cover was great. I mean, I just love that band so much and sort of more, I think more in vain with, I don't know, maybe a bit more in vain with how I sing, just like yeah. my, how I naturally fall, like meter-wise and, and even the kind of runs um, that, that he'll go on. So it was, yeah, a little bit a little bit easier. And is there kind of plans to carry on with this and not just have it as Patreon? So maybe six months down the line, do another set of VPs and people have asked me that. And it's a really good idea that I think I'm going to steal. Um, I don't think there was a plan. Cause I mean, we have a new album coming out. You know, more details will be announced uh, shortly after the CP is released. So this was kind of a little, little warm up for us to get back into, into the swing of things of, of releasing music and, and you know getting ready to do some shows and stuff but uh yeah i have a feeling that there should be another ep maybe yeah six or eight months down the line where we can be like hey here's four more songs that we i mean we're still doing covers so it's kind of an endless well at this point for us it's a lot of fun as well and kind of keeps people guessing because you could just completely be random as hell and pick someone that people aren't expecting yeah. or you could pick some bands that you just absolutely love like why don't you do a fries cover like how cool would that be that would be, <laughs> see, to me, Thrice is untouchable in terms of covering because how Trevor do you how do you match Dustin? Off. Yeah, yeah. How do I match Dustin? Like the band could match everybody else, but matching Dustin would be a particular treat. Um, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes we get weird with it. I'm trying to think of what's the weirdest cover we've ever done. I don't know. 
we we just did a we do a March Madness every year where we like let people vote on this year was only 32 songs but we did a 90s edition and Gin Blossoms won so that that'll be an exciting one to do uh but that was the same thing where Nine Inch Nails somebody submitted is like put this in the bracket and I was like Nine Inch Nails 90s output is like I can't we can't touch it <laughs> it's they're an impossible band to cover it would sound like shit unless you did like the Johnny Cash thing which has been done so it's yeah. like cool uh no nine inch nails on this 90s list i know i'm sorry <laughs> if now there's an ep in six months time and you do a fries cover i want just a little credit because i feel that i've planted <laughs> seed now we occasionally do that well like every once in a while i'll get so what we've been doing this last year is instead of doing five different bands with five different songs we'll pick one band and make people choose between five of their songs which is to me more heartbreaking because people get really into like why are you doing that mountain goat song instead of this mountain goat song so a thrice month could be good i would just have to be very selective of what songs get chosen <laughs> oh man i can already hear it now and i'm going to be excited because i want this to happen <laughs> so how's the rest of the year obviously you've just mentioned something that i think is a bit of a top secret so we won't <laughs> do too much on that but it sounds exciting it sounds like you're going to be very busy you may yeah. be promoting new music um and that's that excites me yeah it's top secret as far as um like we haven't said anything uh publicly about when it's coming out but it's definitely not top secret because i was posting videos from the studio yeah that's and have fine. not shut up about it i don't know like it's either you can not hear from me at all or i can tell you what we're doing like when we're in the studio which i think is more interesting uh yeah there should be new music sooner than later uh maybe we'll be playing a new song or two at some of these shows uh i don't know more info soon i guess <laughs> after the cp is when the new cycle yes officially well, starts. exciting so yeah it's a very busy rest of the year which is good because last year we didn't get to do very much um yeah, just ready. It's to a like... good time, isn't it? Because all the bands are playing up for lost time. You got locked away for two years. Anyone yeah. that was doing a job in an office could still work from home. People in bands couldn't. They suffered the most. So now I think it's a great time. I can go and see bands that I didn't think I'd get to see for another five years, like Tool, yeah. Paramore, all these bands. And they're playing all the time now. It's great. Yeah, everybody's like really, really, really back to work. I think we got a little lucky actually in that we didn't like i feel like a lot of people went right back into the studio and so then they were hitting their cycles which are kind of wrapping up soon and we're like hey we're back like <laughs> we took our time uh which was not by design just by the matter of life and and you know we all we had all given up jobs and apartments when everything uh when we went on tour for brave faces and then everything shut down so we all had to like find places to live and went back to work. Uh, and so that, you know, definitely impacted kind of just the time frame of everything, but it's good to be back to it and back at it and have, you know, a runway that we can see and try to do, do the things that were, you know, basically have a proper touring cycle versus the three weeks we had for brave faces. Does, does this feel the most secure and safe place now in the band? Do you feel like you've got the lineup you want? Do you feel like you're not, um, I know you're harsh and you're your own worst critic and I can tell from meeting you today you'll never be completely satisfied <laughs> but that's not a bad way to be because it means you're always going to keep kind of striving to be better but is this the happiest you've been with the band? Uh, yeah, absolutely. This is definitely just like 
we're we're firing it like on all cylinders. This is the best we've ever been. Um, the new stuff is I'm interested in. You know, I get by the time an album has come out, I'm like really bored with the songs because they're usually a year or two old at that point. And so, I wrote the songs for this new album in 2021, uh, and I wrapped them up at, in January of 2022. So. I should be bored. I'm almost bored with them, but I'm still pretty excited by them, which is a good, it's a good baseline to be at. Well, incorporating and, them to the set list is going to be exciting, isn't it? To see those shows and trying some new stuff that yeah. keeps it fresh. You're not playing the same song again for the, the 57th time, you know, at least <laughs> you've got something new. You can break the set list up a bit, see yeah. how people react, see if crowds start to dig and sing along. Yeah. It's a, and a, a lot of the stuff's a bit more, yeah, the, the, the live set will be a lot more fun. And I think, it's definitely a bit more in line with the type of band we've always wanted to be. Um, not to say that we haven't put out stuff that we wanted to put out. Like every record is just about making ourselves happy, but also every record, there's a sense of like, we didn't quite accomplish the thing that I heard in my head, uh, because whether we lacked the time resources or skill, um, and we're getting closer and closer to being able to, you know, the time between thought in my brain and execution and that translation being correct is getting smaller and smaller, which I think is, is good. That's where you want to be. I mean, that's, that's the sign of becoming a better musician, I think is uh, <laughs> yeah. Or, or a better writer or better, whatever is like, yeah, how can I, how quickly can I get the thoughts out and have that translation not be complete crap, which, you know, and when you're away from music, is there other things you want to get involved in? Have you ever thought of directing more music videos or making short films or having a passion elsewhere? Because it's great you're in the band. It's great that you're writing music. It's great that you're touring. But you also need that kind of other thing, don't you, that you can go to? Yeah. Um, I have not given any more thought. to. I, so I worked in the film industry before the band. That was kind of what I was doing with my life. I was trying to write uh, for TV yeah and uh was in that place where i was like always right on the cusp but never never on the cusp or like i don't know what the what what's the, if you're on the cusp but like over the, i was never over the cusp no you're never, like, like touch, it's always got, in touching distance yeah i was always like almost at the thing and so the band was the hobby and then the, those two things kind of switched and i kept writing but then the band became the main focus um and that's kind of changed. I, I still write, um, still writing for different, I guess, like story based stuff and not necessarily for screen or, you know, games or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I was never a big fan of directing. I'm, it's not necessarily where my skill set lies. Uh, the big thing I've been doing recently, actually, just like it, it dovetailed with my day job is I work for, um, an audio plugin company and for like my, general job that's what got yeah. me through the pandemic and uh, i've been getting into uh audio plugin development which has been a lot of fun and a completely different skill set uh teaching myself how to code in the in my 30s is not how i thought my life would go but actually it's kind of interesting so you know it plays my it mind like I, I i studied at university and i did music technology and engineering and recording and using stuff like cubase and pro tools <laughs> yeah um but now it blows my mind because i was always into just having the hardware and the actual physical uh plug-in devices and all the different midi stuff and now it blows my mind that you can get these incredible apps and 
I sound like a granddad. Uh, I'm only 41, but <laughs> I, 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 it blows my mind now that you can just get this tiny little plugin that does everything that you wished you could have had when you were a kid. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, and I've, I've always been weirdly obsessed with music technology. I probably should have done this stuff when I was younger, but I had to be an artist and I had to write and, you know, all that good stuff. Uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been a nice break. I, I had this thing where every job or career or dream I had for a long time was always like an artistic pursuit. And it was always yeah. based on this this drive to get somewhere. And obviously I'm never going to be happy with where I end up. So it's nice to have the secondary thing, which is like, there is no, like, I'm not trying to go work for, I don't know, Facebook. Like, that's not my goal is why I'm learning to program or anything. So it's nice to just have like this, this thing that I can go to where I'm like, I'm going to see if I can make a delay today and see how that works and like try to develop skills that aren't necessary. Like there's a, there's a level of artistry involved to it, but it's not like I'm bearing my soul to create a plugin uh, yeah. or to learn how to create a plugin. It's yeah. Much, much less uh, soul crushing. What I do on the podcast, Dylan, and it's going to put you on the spot and I think you'll struggle as most musicians and guitarists and singers do is you get to choose the last song that's played on today's episode so it can oh, be any no. song by any band um uh, but i put you on the spot i don't give you time to come back with an email or a, a dm in no, a week it's fine um but what i like to know is why the song came to your heart and head first before any other song but this is all edited it's out there for the world to listen to just before i hit that publish button we listen to the interview what's that final song that you would love to be played let's uh Let's put on the Dirty Nils new single, Nicer Guy. Uh, I'm not just saying this because it's the last thing I downloaded on my phone. The Dirty Nil is an amazing band. Uh, they wail. I'm still sad we've never played a show together. So this is me uh, putting good vibes into the universe to get a Dirty Nil SLS show. Do you like that Florence is just, this is my dog Florence who's just come on <laughs> and she wants to say hello. So you're always going to get uh, a little appearance now and then. It's perfect. I love it. Yeah, uh, I went to a festival and was interviewing Enter Shikari and um, Florence decided that she wanted to be held by the whole band. So <laughs> I think she's a big fan of Spanish love songs, as you can see, and she wants That's to perfect. be on the video. That's amazing. <laughs> so there we go. Um, I've really enjoyed you coming on. I'm a massive fan of your band and I'm really, really looking forward to seeing you guys at Slam Dunk. I think... You have no idea how much you're going to be loved at that festival. That is going to be rammed. Everyone's going to want to see you. The buzz that everyone's talking about already on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter about you guys coming is insane. So I think you're going to feel really special that day. And if it is empty, <laughs> then blame it all on me. No, no, no. I mean, listen, I, I, I appreciate, I'm so excited for it. And I, it's been a bucket less festival for us as well. Yeah. And something we've been trying to do for years now. Um, last year was really heartbreaking when I was like up the morning of the festival here in Nashville, like watching everybody posting about it on Twitter. And I like put my phone down. I was like, I got to get out of here. I was so bummed. And I went for a walk and like, I walked to the end of my block and couldn't breathe. So I was like, cool. It's probably good. I'm not playing a show. So I'm very excited to like be back. Yeah. Hopefully be healthy. Uh, and you know, have just an amazing time with all of our friends and like everybody there. 
I will make sure we catch up. We'll have a beer or a Coke or depending on how the weather is, a cup of tea. Um, But we will make sure we catch up and you're more than welcome to come back on the show. I feel like we should talk a lot of films next time and just geek about movies. Happy to. That's like... That's my that's my well it's my second love music was my first love yeah like, I'm I'm here to geek out over film and TV that is I have a, a other podcast of my life. Uh, called Skip to the End which is a movie podcast that had over twelve and a half million downloads um, but we called it a day last year um, just because you know of life that got in the way people got married yeah. had children all this but um any excuse that I can have to sit down and talk about favorite films and directors and actors. Ooh, yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm always happy to talk about that. So there it is. There's my interview with me and the amazing Dylan from the awesome band Spanish Love Songs. Honestly, we hit it off straight away. It's one of those interviews that I didn't want to end, but you could tell straight away. We've got so much more to talk about. And hey, since this interview has been recorded and it's very fresh, they've just announced an album. So my plan is to get them back on, talk all about the album and loads about films because he's like me and just wants to sit and talk movies. And it's been a while since I've done that. So let's do that very, very soon. If you've enjoyed today's episode, why not go on markandme.com and share this episode on either Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Each and every episode, I keep going on about this because it's crucial to get Mark and Me bigger, noticed by more people and out there for more people to listen to. So please hit that retweet button, hit the share button, all the links are on markandme.com and it really, really goes a long way. Also, I run a Patreon account. If you're new to Patreon, it's basically like giving me a tip. Literally for £1 or £2 a month, all that goes right back into the podcast and allows me to go out there and do more and more episodes for you guys at home, host them on all these various different platforms, and in return you get exclusive episodes just for you guys at home called The Lost Tapes. You get a welcome badge, some welcome stickers, a monthly news update, and so much more. So please, if you can afford it and you want to say thanks, hit me up on markandme.com and there's a link there to my Patreon. Also, one big shout out to another sponsor of this podcast, The Folio Society. I'll be launching an amazing competition next week to win one of their exclusive beautiful books. And thanks to those guys again for supporting the podcast. So all that's left to do now is to tell you that I'll be back in a few days time with another brand new episode. There's some big exclusive specials coming up and so much more. So until then, listen to Spanish love songs, take care and I'll speak to you all very soon. (laughs) 